5-4-3-2-1. I'm John Miglosh from the Wisconsin DMA, coming to you from Minnetonka with marketing news today. And tonight at 6 p.m., we're going to be at Jimmy's Kitchen in Minnetonka and have a little get-together and uh, got some more people saying they're coming. So it looks like it's going to be a good time, which we always do have. And we just buy our own beer and talk direct market. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of the mission of the WDMA. <laughs> Not to be too serious about it all, but to have a good time and keep the overhead low. That's, that's the mission. <laughs> so let's get to the news. Okay. Oh, and if you'd like to register, go to WDMA.org. Tell me I'm tell you. Tell me you're coming, and we'll have a big enough table for everybody. Um, but before we get too serious about all that sort of thing, let's get over to the fun. You've probably never seen this commercial before. Just being together, the thought of you. I can't wait till I get my hands on you. Flies crawling all Okay, fruit flies love real fruit. And truly hard seltzer is now made with real fruit juice. My goodness, that reminds me of the Burger King ad where they let the burgers, you know, age. And and Burger King's got the most moldy uh, because it, you know, it was real bread, real burger, and some of the competitors didn't didn't get moldy at all because it's genetically engineered or something. So anyway, truly, let's get truly, let's get over to truly story. Truly decided. This is by Steve uh, Elwanger from. Um, from Media Post, they decided that they needed a good kick in the pants, and they're the number two leading hard, uh, hard, what is it called? Hard sell, hard seltzer, after White Claw, and they hired a guy to bring fruit flies, and they sprayed the cans with apparently their own concoction. <laughs> And the fruit flies liked it and crawled all over it. I, uh, I, I'm not sure if they wouldn't just go for sugar water, too, but, you know, I just don't know. Um, my wife hates those fruit flies because it's just so hard to catch. Can flies swarming on a beverage help revitalize sales growth? I don't know, but they reformulated this summer. And who loves fruit more than anyone else? Matt Willington says the brand's senior director of marketing says fruit flies told marketing daily okay so anyway they hired this guy and we'll see how it does but that was one of the weirdest commercials i've ever seen and it wouldn't make me buy it you know i would say something more like you'll feel good or you taste good or anything but that you know, you can get an old orange and get plenty of fruit flies if you want, or grapes. Okay, here's an article from Brand United, and um, and a lot of it's from Chris Lyons. Um, I went there's a, it was originally 
it was originally published in a, uh, a different publication. It's mentioned at the bottom, and there's a link directly to it. And that's quite a bit longer. Um, but I like this one because it was a little bit shorter um, and less self-promotional. So Chris Lyons says, um, you know, a lot of people come in kind of, kind of untrained to mail. I did a talk in Minneapolis a couple of years ago, and we got a lot of kids um, who'd gotten their MBA. I had a partner, uh, Bob, um, let's see, what was Bob's, anyway, I had, uh, Bob had been to one of my talks in Chicago, and he asked when I was going to come up, and um, Bob Beaver, that's right, and um, not spelled like the, the mammal. But anyway, Bob asked when I was coming up, and so I gave this talk called Why Mail, and it was really well received. And we, I went for about 45 minutes, and then we had about an hour worth of questions, and then we went out to a, a, a bar nearby and talked for another two hours about direct mail and direct marketing. One, one uh, person came up to me and said that in all the marketing courses in an entire marketing undergrad and, and MBA – I didn't ask what school. They had never had one class, one lecture on direct mail, which is the state of things. So I agree with Chris on that. And they were just fascinated that somebody could get up and, and explain why direct mail was more powerful than digital and all these other things. Uh, so Chris points out that um, direct mail is still a six $60 billion marketing channel and that direct mail is an effective, uh, extremely effective medium that can be up to 600 times more effective than your digital marketing spend. That's an eye-popping ROI, and in parentheses in case you're a marketing person and don't know what ROI means, that's return on investment. Now most of the time marketers think that return on ad spend is ROI, which it isn't. Uh, the, the, let me just explain the difference. Return on investment is what your chief financial officer um, thinks about. And your chief financial officer will say, okay, this new machine tool or whatever it is that we that we would like to buy will improve our efficiency some mm, 20%, let's say. And it's a million dollars, okay? And we're a $50 million company. And so we should be able to, and our cost of goods is, you know, let's say 50%. No, if it's a manufacturer, it's more like 25%. I'm getting lost in the numbers. But anyway, they'll think about it and they'll say, okay, how long will it take to recoup the million dollars we're spending on this machine uh, that's out of pocket, extra overhead, capital investment, and of course you can depreciate it and there's all kinds of other incentives. But all that aside, you know, we need to get about, we need to be able to run about $10 million more sales for a while, right? Or some significant cost savings in our cost of goods or both um, in order to justify that million dollar purchase. I've had marketers tell me with a straight face that their million-dollar ad campaign broke even because it generated a million dollars in sales. Now, the really scary part is, is that if the CFO is any good, which he of 
course, he or she is, uh, they'll say, well, it's not enough to look at the overall increase in sales. That could have been caused by anything. What we need to look at is the incremental benefit of this machine over the previous machine that we're using now, right? So in order to produce ROI, you have to say, okay, we're this new technique, if it's male or if it's a new uh, creative direction or if it's, you know, putting fruit flies on your the can of, of hard seltzer, this not only did our sales go up, but directly attributable sales to this went up 20% or some number. It's that incremental level that has to pay for that investment. And that's often lost. It also, it isn't the total sales. It's what's left over after you've paid for the, for the fruit juice and after you've paid the, you know, after you've discounted it for the distribu distribution and, you know, so many factors. So ROI is a little bit more complicated than most marketers realize. And, you know, you should take your, your CFO out for a beer and, and, and see if you can keep up. Or come tomorrow night if you're in Minneapolis, Twin Cities, uh, and and we'll talk ROI. I think that would be a great topic for tomorrow. Uh, and we have, we you know they do serve beer at this restaurant, Jimmy's Kitchen, Minnetonka. Okay, many younger digital-centric graphic designers come in blind. Lions laments. I doubt if he lamented, because people coming out of school are not being educated in direct mail communication and print production. Right. Mailers who are precise with their manufacturing, distribution, and database management can actually decrease their overall costs. Now, that's probably not the way your CFO would look at it. It's not your overall costs. If you print a million and then you go and, and let's say it's a dollar per piece in the mail with creative costs built in and all the rest, overhead for marketing salaries. So it's a dollar per piece. So you spent a million dollars to mail a million pieces. The second million won't lower your costs if you decide to mail a second million. Your costs will go up, you know, but your cost per piece will be lower or can be lower because, you know, the same marketing creative can be used, right? The same marketing salaries have already been since been paid, but also the print setup and and uh, other other factors can be uh, great can have greater leverage. Plus, if you have good modeling and and analytics, you might actually be able to make it more effective, raise the response rate. So your cost per piece and your re may go down, and your revenue per piece may go up, which means that your cost of acquisition or your ROI will increase. Boy, if anybody. Do you, you know, is this exciting or what? <laughs> anyway, so deliverability is crucial to print campaign success and implementing the right software programs can almost ensure there's no waste of distribution. I don't know if you ever get to that point. You know, we did with Cabela's after our modeling stint with them. We did find 5,000 customer, a segment of 5,000 customers that, that, pulled more than 100% response. So we got more than 5,000 orders out of that 5,000 um, piece mailing. But in general, marketing is guaranteed to have some waste and quite a bit usually. Okay, 
Finally, almost half of marketers say brands are too focused on ROI. And how could you possibly be too focused on ROI? Well, first, let's find out what they have to say. Okay, has there been an increased emphasis on tracking the following metrics? Return on investment is the number one that is said to have gotten more important. Why? Well, because if if all of your work goes to brand building, like let's say the fruit fire example, <laughs> instead of talking about how great your stuff tastes and how the, you'll get a great buzz, get it? <laughs> because it's not just fruit juice, but it's also booze in it. Um, because your brand building, you know, without any any sampling or any increased distribution or uh, you know or any discounting or anything like that, um, you may go under. Under <laughs> that campaign may be, get so much attention that you just go right out of business. The sales go to nothing. Uh, now. Pepsi, when the pandemic hit, said, well, we're going to cut our advertising way back because nobody can buy our soda. Never mind the grocery stores were still open. The big boxes like Walmart were still open. Target, I think, was still open. Um, Coke said, we're going to keep our budget the same. We're going to keep advertising. They gained something like five points of market share during the pandemic. Amazing. You know, who would have thought an, an, an old worn-out brand like that could gain? And Pepsi lost. What a surprise, right? So, but focusing and and you know Coke in the short term was not gonna was not gaining return on investment because they were making these investments and people were buying less Coke. But after once it opened up a little bit, people were hungry for Coke. Okay, so um, when budgets are being squeezed, return on investment. It's not surprising, should shoot up the list of marketing priorities. Tracking of ROI has has increased in emphasis in recent months. Okay, tracking of ROI. What's the danger? Well, the danger is that, mm, that, the, that the return on investment typically is a time-based calculation. So that, that illustration of, of of the machine tool that we're going to buy for a million dollars, what we ask is, what's the rate of return? What's the what's the payback period for that machine? All things being equal, okay. Uh, and if it's less than 18 months or something, a lot of times it'll be approved pretty easily, okay. You say, well, we get the payback pretty fast. Um, ROI. So ROI usually has a window, but Tracking ROI in a marketing spend, you know, they're not going to let you have 18 months to, to pay it back. You know, they want uh, your CFO and CEO wants a payback of essentially anything they can track to that campaign. Right. So we do a campaign. We want to see something like a 10 time uh, increase in ad uh, in in sales over ad spend, something like 10 times. Okay, so if you spend a million dollars, we want to see we want to see that produce 10 million in sales, incrementally, especially, and that would generate a 10 million dollar in sales would generate something like a million dollar EBITDA, or maybe maybe three million in EBITDA. And that would be a 30 percent, uh, a 300 percent return on investment. That'd be great. Okay. That would be what your CFO is looking for. 
what your CEO is looking for. And we've seen those on a regular basis with mail. Um, but customer lifetime value is something you also want to keep an eye on, and it's not that far down in the list. It's below click increased click rates. <laughs> oh no, it's ahead of it made it ahead of of click rates just barely. And that's excellent because what you really want to see is you want to get you want to gather the kind of customer that's going to make repeat purchases, and so that's going to that's going to keep the ROI going and lengthen that return on investment that you make an investment this month and you it keeps paying returns for six nine twelve months something like that that's the kind of thing also that if it's provable that would be great to see now the biggest trouble is how do you fix how do you figure all that out okay almost half of marketers say that ROI is the most important metric for their CEO CFO and board members Okay, followed by business outcomes and customer acquisition. That's growth. Now, growth oftentimes is expensive, and it's hard to grow uh, and also maximize ROI. That's the tricky part. And that's also why you want to keep track of both of them, because to maximize ROI, you're best off uh, just mailing the customers, just mailing the, the hotline, the most recent customers. In fact, I did a... I did some uh, expert witness work for Dress Barn, and they had bought a catalog company. And they were trying to figure out why the results were so much better before they bought them. <laughs> and it was pretty easy to spot uh, what the what the owners of the catalog company had done is they had uh, just mailed the the most recent customers, and they'd done that for about a year. And so. You couldn't tell right away, but they weren't acquiring any customers at all. They were just shrinking it. And the return on investment was excellent, superb. And they used that as a leverage point to get a maximum valuation. But, and because it was, they were being bought by a retailer, the retailer didn't realize that they didn't understand the dynamics of lifetime value and dynamics of customer the, of customer file, you know, maintenance and health, and so they didn't look for how much how much of that of their mailings had been devoted to prospecting, you know, outside lists versus how many had been uh, devoted to just mailing the customers. And so I uh, I don't ever know how the court case came out because I was just hired to you know give them the facts, but it was fascinating how if you focus just on return on investment, you may easily focus on the just the highest return paying customers and not maintaining growth or even maintain or even treading water okay uh, so there is a disconnect between marketers and their understanding of financials and the metrics favored by the CFO and CEO but I can tell you this one of the great things about mail is that you can you can actually prove incremental profit you can also prove causation okay not just correlation but you can see who got mailed who didn't get mailed you can do holdout testing there's a, array, a wide array of things you can do to prove the incremental benefit that's and that's why it's such it's such a powerful tool if you work with your CFO and work with the CEO and you Get on, you know, get them on your side and say, okay, if I push a dollar into this box 
and out jumps $3 every time I do it, how many dollars should I put into that box? And the CFO says, as many as I can rustle up. <laughs> that's better than we're doing anywhere else. Right. And that's what happens. If and and if you get if and and oftentimes the CFO is very astute at understanding testing. In fact, after we after Cabela's told us that we made them 2.4 million in one drop because of the modeling compared to what they had projected with their with their internally developed customer segmentation, the CFO said, "Oh, that's not a fair test." And he was right; it wasn't a fair test. We didn't we didn't test against their methodology, which is what we should have done. But later on, when we did test against their methodology, we had an incremental lift of 74%, and we had it in a time that really benefited their own segmentation method more than ours. But nevertheless, so anyway, interesting perspective from Charlotte Rogers. Thank you for that. And Marketing Week, have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart.